Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Chronicles of a Schizophrenic. The schizophrenic in question being me, your uh, your wonderful host. Um, I wanted to, uh, I, I had a topic actually in mind, and I'll get to that in a moment, but uh, I know that uh, th- at this time, this is kind of a tumultuous time uh, in this country, regardless of how you voted, <laughs> um, I think we're in for a very interesting four years uh, possibly longer, most likely longer. And so in the wake of all of that, um, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go into a political debate or uh, discussion here. This isn't the place for it. But I feel the need to say something to a certain degree. I wish I could say something far more poignant. But the only really advice that I can offer anyone whether you are on the winning side or the losing side, I think it's very important to keep this in mind. Just be kind, please, to the person across the aisle. It goes a long way, and it is contagious. And I think we need more of that. So, there's my two cents, and take it for whatever it's worth. It doesn't cost anything just to be nice to someone, to empathize. Empathy is completely free, so please go out there and exercise it today and in the future. So, there you have it. Uh, So today's topic, what I wanted to discuss regarding my uh, experiences as a schizophrenic and as as, uh, the nature of the illness itself, I wanted to talk a little bit about the myths regarding schizophrenia. Um, I mentioned, I think, in my last episode, my very first one, that this condition carries with it a lot of negative stigma. People have a lot of preconceived notions about what it means to be schizophrenic, um, and a lot of that comes from movies and television, and it's not always accurate. Uh, in fact, it's rarely accurate. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. I, I think the uh, the number one myth that I'm always having to correct with people is that schizophrenia is an entirely different condition from multiple personality disorder, which uh, is actually the the medical term is disassociative identity disorder. It's a completely separate condition. And I think the confusion comes in because the word schizophrenia itself means split mind. What it actually means is split off from reality. It does not mean split personalities. Um, I think also maybe some of that comes from the fact that once you, um, once the illness starts to take hold of you, whatever, for me it was very young, but for most people it's in uh, the late teens and early 20s, once it starts to manifest itself, your personality can change, it often does, 
if you were an extrovert, you might become introverted or vice versa. You might lose interest in things that you used to do and gain interest in new things. So it seems like maybe you're becoming another person. That's not entirely the case. But even if your personality does undergo changes, which it likely does, that doesn't mean that you are another person or that you're taking on a completely new identity. Many cases in multiple personality, in a multiple personality situation, these other personalities are often not even aware of each other. And they are not, they are like completely different people, different genders, different uh, sexual orientation, different ages, different uh, education levels. Uh, they have complete backstories that have nothing to do with each other. That is a completely different thing from what a uh, a schizophrenic might experience. The closest thing, I think, at least for me, that I have ever come to split personality, and I, I put that in quotations, is um, if I'm hallucinating... And I and it is possible to hallucinate yourself, um, and I'll I'll explain a little bit about that. Um, uh, for example, uh, looking in the mirror and having your reflection speak to you or move independently of itself. That is, uh, that's essentially hallucinating yourself. It's like a very uh, heightened version of talking to yourself. But again, it's not the same thing as split personality, that even though what you're experiencing isn't actually real, it, uh, or isn't actually you, per se, it comes from you, it's still another part of you. So, again, it's not a completely different person. I ho- I don't know if any of that made sense. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is very disjointed and very rambly, and I'm sorry, Maybe I should start writing a script for these, or at least uh, outline, uh, write down some notes and follow an outline so that these are a little more cohesive. But I hope um, what I'm trying to say is coming across. Um, (laughs) Anyway, on to the next myth. Um, This is another one that I think is often misunderstood, is that uh, schizophrenics are violent and that is just not the case. They're often depicted in movies as murderers, serial killers, uh, stalkers, uh, lots of unsavory characters. And uh, and yes, it's true. Um, schizophrenia does mess with your sense of reality. But most of the time schizophrenics are the more the victims of violence rather than the perpetrators that has been the case with me um i'll I'll go more into this in the future in another episode that i will dedicate specifically to this subject but just to give you a little nutshell version i came from an extremely abusive household a very abusive background uh, so there was a lot of violence and anger that was um, heaped upon me. And not just me, but my, my siblings as well, but um, particularly me, and particularly because of my illness. But um, 
schizophrenics in general, and I'm, I'm using the word schizophrenic, a lot of people don't like to be called that. They want you to, they would rather you say a person with schizophrenia rather than a schizophrenic because that means that the uh, illness is their sole measure of identity. I, uh, I and I understand that it's just easier for the uh, for the purposes of this to say schizophrenic than it is um, to say a person with schizophrenia over and over again. So it's just a shortcut that I'm using. I don't in any way mean to imply that a person who has schizophrenia, that that is the only thing that is important or interesting about them, that, that that's their sole identifiable factor. I, I'm not saying that at all, so please understand that. Oh, what was I talking about? I was talking about violence. Um, most schizophrenics are actually very withdrawn. Um, we keep to ourselves a lot of the time. Um, we don't like confrontation generally i'm sure there are exceptions there are exceptions to everything and i and i'm i'm making generalizations here but i'm again these are based off of my own experiences um in the past i have had a bit of a short temper but it comes from a frustration of not being able to communicate clearly or um, being just frustrated at uh, what I'm experiencing or seeing or feeling and trying to determine whether where it's coming from is it real is it not now a lot that is a lot more clear now that I am I am receiving the proper treatment but back especially in my teen years when that wasn't the case there were some angry outbursts but nothing that was ever violent the only time that a schizophrenic may become violent or lash out is either in self-defense or perceived self-defense um, meaning thinking you're being threatened even if you're really not but perceiving it that way you might lash out um, but in general there are violence is not a a typical symptom of schizophrenia and so that's uh, something that always disappoints me I think when I I always look forward to because um, I'm hoping that for the day when the illness is accurately represented somewhere and even in the ones even in movies and television where it's represented kind of in a positive like for example a, a beautiful mind about the uh, life of John Nash that uh, he is obviously not de depicted as violent or a criminal, but even that, it you know it's elevated for the sense of, for entertainment, and so there are things that are exaggerated and other things that are left out. I would really like to see a schizophrenic character at some point that is accurately portrayed, <laughs> and that is not a villain or not um, depicted as a psychopath. Um, but uh, I keep waiting and hopefully the day will come. <laughs> uh, but I, I could go through, oh gosh, so many examples and it seems like whenever something t 
terrible happens in the news, there's a, a mass shooting or some a bombing or something like that, there are always these people that pipe up and say, oh, well, the perpetrator must have been a paranoid schizophrenic. And that's frustrating because people are people just throw that word out and they have no idea what it means. All they know is what they've seen on in the entertainment industry. And when has that ever gotten anything right? But anyway, I kind of I kind of delved off into a soapbox there. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Um, myths about schizophrenia. No, we are typically not dangerous. Um, typically. Um, those, I guess, are the two main, uh, main ones. Uh, it, all, of course, it all depends on how much people think they know. Um, but those are the two, I think, that plague us in the schizophrenic community the most. Trying to convince people that we're not dangerous and that we're not multiple personality. Sorry, I'm getting distracted here. Um, there are a lot of myths, I guess, uh, concerning the cause of schizophrenia. Some people say that it's environmental. Other people say that it's physical. Um, but really, the research suggests that it's a, a perfect storm of both. Like I mentioned, I came from an abusive household, but I don't necessarily think that is what caused my schizophrenia. I have two brothers that uh, are not schizophrenic, and they lived in the same household as I did. Uh, there is a genetic factor, I think. Um, just because, though, you have you might have a family member that has schizophrenia, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to have it. Being abused doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have it. Even being genetically predisposed doesn't mean you're going to have it. Um, and there are people who have it who have none of those things that uh, were not abused, that uh, do not have it anywhere else in their family. So I think it's with any illness, really. It's the right combination at the right time and you know, just the right amount of environmental stimulus with your genetic predisposition and boom... Uh, you get lucky. <laughs> or unlucky, I guess I should say. Um, it's not all bad, though, really. And I'll talk more about that, too, in a future episode. <laughs> uh, what other myths can I talk about? Um, I think uh, it's also kind of thought that a person with schizophrenia... Um, yes, there's a lot of social awkwardness, and there can be uh, difficulty communicating or relating to other people, but, um, oh gosh, <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought, I am so sorry. Um, this is an unfortunate um, symptom of the illness itself, is sometimes I have a very difficult time keeping track of my thoughts and staying on target. It's kind of similar to ADD or ADHD in that sense, although um, once I am focused on something, I stay that way. It's just hard for me to verbally stay focused when I'm talking. 
Oh, so uh, I I completely lost what I was talking about. And this is why I uh, I should really have notes. <laughs> I should really have an outline at least. Not me, may, maybe not a full complete script, but at least some kind of guidance to help me stay on track. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to find my way back. Um, yes, social awkwardness and whatnot, but um, schizophrenics can also be just as intelligent and just as um, friendly and just as charismatic as anyone else. As I said before, there are levels of the illness. Um, some people, some people, you may even you may even know a schizophrenic and you don't know that they have it. Maybe they don't even know. And that's common too. Uh, that's why so many schizophrenics go untreated. Is either either they've been diagnosed with it and have rejected the diagnosis, or they've just never been diagnosed. And it is a difficult thing to accept. I think especially if it comes about later in life. Um, trying to accept the fact that you have this illness. I imagine would be daunting. As I mentioned before, it happened to me when I was very, very young, so I don't really remember anything prior to it. And so I've had a lot of time to come to terms with it, a lot of time to accept it. Um, That's not always the case with everyone. In fact, most people don't get that opportunity. And uh, And that's why so many... People with this illness don't take their medication uh, as they should. Um, Because A, first you have to accept that you need it. And B, you have to be able to work through the changes that you're going to go through. Even if those changes are positive, they can be daunting, they can be scary, and they make you not feel like yourself. Even if this new version of you is, is more coherent and is an improvement, it still feels very strange when you're in the midst of it. Um, like, for example, for me, um, it's it's weird because whenever I am off of my medication, and, and I don't go off of it very often now, <laughs> back in my teens and early 20s it was a different story, but when I am off of my medication, I am a lot more extroverted, a lot more boisterous, I guess, I don't know, that's not the right word, but I uh, I am less aware of myself. Um, my, uh, one of the positives of it is that my social anxiety all but disappears when I am off of my medications. The reason for that is because I I have no inhibitions, and I am completely unaware of how I'm coming across to people. I uh, have difficulty recognizing social cues or norms, and I can cu- I can come off very strong to people. Uh, I've been <laughs> I've been uh, described as creepy, as weird, as um, not being able to recognize boundaries and that is usually when I am not being medicated when I am medicated my 
social anxiety actually gets worse because I am more aware of how I sound, how I look. Uh, I'm, I'm better in tune with how I'm coming across to other people. And so that makes me a little more anxious and a little more uh, self-conscious. And so I tend to uh, be a little quieter and a little more withdrawn and a little more to myself. So, uh, yeah, there are always trade-offs <laughs> with everything. But uh, I'm willing to put up with a little bit of social anxiety to, uh, if it means not having to deal with the other symptoms as severely, which is why I stay <clears throat> I, which is why I stay on the medication. The uh, the longest I I have ever gone without it since I was about 26 has been three days. That is my maximum that I will go without it, and that only happens if there are outside circumstances that prevent me from whatever reason being able to take it, uh, whatever those may be. It's never by choice. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about that again uh, in in a future future episode, <laughs> one that is more coherent. I will definitely next time make an outline <laughs> so that this will be not anywhere so disjointed. And I apologize. And if you listened to this whole thing and stayed with me and still somehow managed to follow what I was talking about, kudos to you. You get a prize. I don't know what it is, but we'll figure it out. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.